Hello, hello to all my readers and listeners. This is Karen Hunt, aka KH Majek, and I have a new essay for you, something that I've been wanting to write for a while, but then there's a lot of things I'm wanting to write. Um, but anyway, this one I was particularly um, excited to have finished for you. But before I get into it, I want to thank all my readers and listeners. Without your support, I could not spend the long hours needed to research, write, and record my essays, articles, and interviews, nor could I offer them without a paywall. So if you haven't yet, please consider becoming a free or especially paid subscriber. You can also give one-time or recurring donations at Coffee, and there are links to both of those places at the top of my essay here. All right, so this is called The Luddite Kids Saying No to Smartphones. Spend time getting to know yourself and exploring the world around you. It's so much more fulfilling and so much more real than the one inside your expensive little box. And that's a quote from teenager Lola Shubb. I write a lot about boxes and breaking out of them. That's why my substack is called Break Free. If you want to have a big smile on your face, have a look at the short video below of Dylan Reeves, who refuses to live in the box along with all the other kids. This amazingly courageous and quick-witted seventh grader took control of his school bus after the driver passed out saving 60 lives. Why was Dylan able to do this? Because he was the only kid not distracted by a smartphone. You know why? Because incredibly, he doesn't have one. Even after Dylan stops the bus and yells at the other kids to, for someone to call 911, they are so zombified, they still don't get what's going on. And you can see the video there. It's quite amazing of uh, this man. I mean, there's obviously a, a video uh, camera on the bus. So the driver passes out and this kid rushes up, saves the day, and, um, and then turns around and the kids are still... Uh, unaware, I think, of what's actually happened because he has to say many times for somebody, please, to call 911. They just don't get it. Generation Z, those people born between 1997 to 2012 are the first generation to have never known a life without smartphones and social media. They inherited a world of unprecedented chaos. Historical events like wars, recessions, and social movements have defined past generations. A pandemic is no different. Forced into isolation at home for months on end, they missed out on major youth milestones like graduations, football games, and school dances. Isn't it lucky that smartphones were there to comfort them? Instead of socializing in the real world, they ended up averaging 7.7 .7 hours a day on their screens. But it wasn't always like that. A 2018 The Guardian article introduced us to the teens who refused to use social media. While many of us have been engrossed in the Instagram lives of our coworkers and peers, a backlash among young people has been quietly boiling. One 2017 survey of British school children found that 63% would be happy if social media had never been invented. This is part of a wider trend. According to a study by U.S. marketing firm Hill Holiday of Generation Z, half of those surveys sta surveyed stated that they had quit or were considering quitting at least one social media platform. When it comes to Gen Z's relationships, relationship to social media, significant cracks are beginning to show, says the firm's Leslie Bielby. 
Well, what happened between 2017 and now? Oh yeah, COVID happened. All that resolved to be in the real world disappeared as kids got sucked into a fake one. In 2020, WHO and Global Citizen announced One World Together at Home Global Special to support healthcare workers in the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. It seemed so inspiring. Everyone might have been sitting at home in isolation, manipulated to be there when they should have been outside in the fresh air, I might add. But they could still be one inside their devices. Isn't that beautiful? Everyone in the entire world with the same hive mind. One World Together at Home was a globally televised and streamed special in support of the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. And I have a picture there of Lady Gaga performing. Ugh. It was state propaganda, no different from what I would see on TV when I lived in communist Yugoslavia in the 80s. Only this was global, people all over the world being brainwashed into complete compliance. At the same time, online game gaming skyrocketed as the new place to meet people and make meaningful connections. A BBC article talked about how with the rise of so- social communities, Uh, With the rise of social media, gamers, particularly in Gen Z, have perfected the art of building communities in and around video games. Gamers don't just compete with strangers on the internet, but forge genuine, enduring friendship. Well, that's all great, but COVID was a strategy to manipulate everyone, especially young people, to feel more comfortable connecting in fake worlds rather than the real world. And that's just not healthy, either mentally or physically. Shouldn't that be obvious? Mega corporations were the ones who benefited. Gaming boomed during the pandemic, and the global gaming industry is expected to be worth $321 billion by 2026. Once kids were allowed out of lockdowns, is it any wonder their devices came along with came along with them, you will seldom see a teenager, or anyone for that matter, without a phone in his or her hand. Not too long ago, I observed a girl around 10 years of age completely lose her marbles in a restaurant when her iPad dropped on the floor. She kept screaming, her face contorted with agony and rage. No, no, you'd have thought someone had just been decapitated in front of her, but it was only that the screen had cracked. Then she turned on her mortified parents, demanding to know why they hadn't bought a case for it. She told them like 50 million times. Her parents tried to calm her down to no effect. Eventually, they were able to get her out of the restaurant, their dinners left untouched. Like me, everyone in the restaurant was mesmerized by the drama. But once the girl and her parents were gone, most of the people returned to what they had been doing before. And guess what? That was staring at their smartphones. It's hard for a kid to feel comfortable in the real world, even when everything is going well. Kids want desperately to fit in. Adolescence is an agonizing time. Returning to school, a place that already had enough problems before COVID, wasn't easy. I read an article this morning that said students are increasingly refusing to go to school. It's becoming a mental health crisis. The article starts with the story of Jane Dembski finding the police have come to her house to take away her teenage son. He never stole, used illegal substances, or physically hurt anyone. He just didn't go to school. 
It started in the middle of sixth grade when he began staying home from school on days his anxiety was too difficult to manage. Those days became more frequent, turning into weeks and months until he stopped going altogether. Now, an officer was at her house waiting to take her son to school. Dembski sought help from educators, doctors, and counselors trying to understand what was stopping her son from going to school for nearly a year. Finally, a psychiatrist told Dembski about a condition that affects a growing number of students with severe anxiety called school avoidance. Dembski describes her son's diagnosis as a revelation. At last, she knew what was wrong with him, thanks to the experts. It never occurred to her that it could be the system's fault that her son didn't want to go to school. That's because most people believe what the experts say is gospel truth. And if the parents don't go along with the diagnosis, the system will shift the blame from the child to the parents. I'm not a big fan of the current educational setup, Thousands of hormone-crazed kids locked up together for eight hours a day with angry teachers who seemed to hate them. I was pretty shy as a teenager myself. Some days it took all my courage just to walk into the cafeteria knowing everyone would be staring at me since at 16 I was six feet tall and skinny as a stick. If I could have had an operation chopping off a few inches in my height, I might have done it, especially if I had experts telling me constantly that if I did, it would make me happy. I was regularly miserable and resented my strict parents who didn't let me dress how I wanted. Now, I would be diagnosed with a mental health problem. Back then, it was just how kids behaved and it was expected they would grow out of it, not get labeled so they would never get over it. Forcing kids to isolate and wear masks in public trained them to hide behind fake identities. Kids started communicating online instead of in person. Now, children as young as three years old love going on smartphones. They interact with Alexa and speak to her as if it's a real person in their home and they can order it around. Alexa says, Alexa says almost every five-year-old that I know, play the jumping song or whatever. A five-year-old will video chat, adeptly clicking the right places to put fun filters on their faces, making them look like anything but themselves, a lion, a clown, a vampire, anything. They can also put on black backgrounds that look like outer space or a castle, again, anything. It seems innocent enough, but it's like starting someone on their first cigarette or their first drug. It only escalates. Once they are teenagers, they will never show you their real selves if they can help it. According to Teen Vogue, platforms like Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok inundate us with the carefully curated lives of others, making us covet not only their lives, but their appearances. With social media filters that alter and beautify features, young people are being introduced to unrealistic beauty standards that hurt the way they view themselves. According to a 2021 survey of 200 teens ages 13 to 21, Young people who use beauty filters weekly are more likely to want to have cosmetic surgery and to alter their skin color. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the survey found that the more time teens spent on social media, the more likely they were to report being dissatisfied with how they look. Funny how they can draw the obvious conclusions that filters lead young Young people to want cosmetic surgery and to alter their skin, but they refuse to acknowledge the obvious connection to body dysphoria and the push to transition children at younger and younger ages. 
Since kids are having such a hard time in school, teachers in Denmark are using apps to audit their students' moods. Experts say it helps the kids feel better. In a Copenhagen suburb, a fifth grade classroom is having its weekly cake eating session, a common tradition in Danish public schools. While the children are eating chocolate cake, the teacher pulls up an infographic on a whiteboard, a bar chart generated by a digital platform that collects data on how they've been feeling. Organized to display the classroom's weekly mood landscape, the data shows that the class averaged a mood of 4.4 out of 5, and the children rated their family life highly. That's great, the teacher exclaims, raising two thumbs up in the air. Can you imagine being one of those kids under a microscope like that? Your emotions part of data-driven well-being audits? But hey, experts say it helps the kids feel better. Except here's what the article says next. Danish school children are in the midst of a mental health crisis that one of the country's biggest political parties has called a challenge equal to inflation, the environmental crisis, and national security. No one knows why, but in just a few decades, the number of Danish children and youth with depression has more than sextupled. One quarter of ninth graders report that they have attempted self-harm. The problem isn't exclusive to Denmark. Depressive episodes among U.S. teens increased by some 60% between 2007 and 2017, and teen suicide rates have also leaped from, uh, by around 60% over the same time period, and you can imagine what, that number, what those numbers are like after COVID. <clears throat> they're in a mental health crisis because they're living inside technology and being manipulated by it. Hello? But all the experts in the world will never figure that out. They make too much money off of mentally and physically ill children. Healthy children will not pay for their expensive houses or cars. The world became a darker place when adults started analyzing children to see how they could profit off of them. It was a darker day when the marketing industry realized they could target ads directly to children. Children now spend almost $200 billion annually, and companies spend more than $17 billion each year marketing to them. Children are just another way to make money for corporations. A majority of U.S. children have television access in their bedrooms, and many children also have unsupervised computer time. Much of the marketing content they view is in a, in a context where parents are not present. These two central trends, growth in overall advertising and children's increased media access, have led to a noticeable rise in marketing directly to children. Mostly children are influenced to buy things, to alter their appearance, to follow the latest trend by social media influencers. 86% of young Americans say they want to become a social media influencer. To them, influencers have replaced singers, actors, authors, artists. Kids will watch their favorite influencer pet a cat or ride a bicycle for hours instead of doing it themselves. Roughly 98% of consumers said they made or planned to make a purchase on social media in 2022. 2022. The group most likely to buy? Parents with young kids. About 81% of adults with children under 18 said they were interested in social commerce, lending the perfect opportunity for brands to market to the whole family. Bonus points if you can find a creator who parents and kids both enjoy watching. 
So below is a really interesting conversation between kids who are pro and anti-social media. One girl describes how she found that she and her friends were no longer connecting when they got together. All they were doing was making sure to get that perfect photo to post on Instagram. Dylan Reeves told his parents he knew how to drive the bus because he watched the driver do it every day. While the other kids on the bus staring mindlessly at screens, Dylan was looking at, out the window, watching the driver, thinking thoughts his own brain, brain made up, not thoughts put inside his head by voices inside of a phone. Thankfully, Dylan isn't alone, although it can certainly seem that way. Check out these young Luddites who belong to the Antisocial Network in New York. And there's, I have a video there. These really cool kids uh, off of their cell phones and doing things together uh, out in the real world. To the members of the Antisocial Network, being a Luddite means being more present in your life, in your community, and in your actions and who you are. For me, technology makes it a lot easier to be disconnected from reality. You're numbing your brain. You're not really processing anything. You're just entertaining yourself, says one member. A girl named Lane describes the challenge of saying no to technology and how the first couple of days she felt the chemistry in her brain changing and how bored she felt. She talked about how being bored is something you don't feel when you are on social media. It keeps you busy so you don't have quiet time to reflect on anything that your own brain might create for you to think about. Everything is created for you from an outside source. Working through the boredom, Luddites find ways to occupy themselves like journaling, running, reading books, building things with their hands, making art. A growing number of Gen Zers are shunning their phones and embracing the way of life that they say is improving their mental health. Eden's smartphone broke in January of 2020, while most young people in his situation would have swiftly ordered a replacement with guaranteed next day delivery, 22-year-old Eden was in no rush to get a new phone. I had been getting fed up with how much time I'd been wasting on it, so when it broke, I didn't get a new phone for about a month. And this time, I noticed a massive improvement in my mood and freedom to think. Eden says that it's sometimes a struggle to be out and about without maps, but adds that at least his sense of direction is improved, has improved drastically. There is a whole body of evidence to suggest that humans can lose their natural navigation skills if they aren't used enough. We are losing so much of ourselves to these devices, I don't think we are even aware of how badly it is affecting us. 48% of Gen Zs say social media makes them feel sad, anxious, or depressed. During the pandemic, many found themselves compulsively watching world, the world descend into crisis, also known as doom scrolling. Oh, I think we can all relate to that bad habit. How can we help but doom scroll when almost everything in the news is a disaster? A young woman named Jade, 23, recently made the switch to a brick phone. It was a fuck it moment, she explains. I thought about making the change for years, and embarrassingly, one night I was reading 2000s MAGA. At 1 a.m., saw all the characters using flip phones and decided to get just one. I could work out the logistics later. Okay, it's true that 95% of Gen Z currently own a smartphone. 
but we can only hope more and more young people will get sick of it and move towards spending less time online. Writing for Wired in 2021, journalist Hussein Kasvani predicted that in the years to come, we will see more people leaving public platforms entirely, sticking instead to small communities and friendship groups on more private platforms. I sure hope so. An article in Insider tells the story of how Lola Shub, a self-described screenager, snapping selfies and mindlessly scrolling through social media, gave up her smartphone. When a friend ditched her smartphone for good, it inspired Shub to swap her iPhone for a flip phone. Shub is now part of the Luddite group, a, a, a Luddite club, a group of New York teen, City teens who meet at their social at their local library. Excuse me. The club has only one rule: no smartphones here. Since giving up her smartphone, Shub says she has more space to think creatively, more time to read, and better concentration. She and many of her friends have given up Instagram, and they prefer phone calls over texting. If I have one overreaching message for my fellow teenagers, it's this. Spend time getting to know yourself and exploring the world around you, Shub writes. It's so much more fulfilling and so much more real than the one inside your expensive little box. We end where we started. Get out of the box. Get your kids out of the box. And that's it for this essay. Thank you so much for listening, for reading. Please take it to heart. Please subscribe, comment, and share.